Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It was a year ago, on March 11th, that the World Health Organization officially characterized COVID-19 as a pandemic. If I remember correctly, we were able to observe both Ash Wednesday and the first Sunday of Lent gathered together in our worship space before we had to make the quick transition to virtual worship. During last year's season of Lent, we anticipated regathering at Easter or shortly thereafter. We were planning belated Easter egg hunts and a wonderful regathering celebration. None of us anticipated that we would be making similar plans one year later. Last year, we thought that we would never again have a virtual Lent. And this year, we were ready to be together again in person outside for the five Sundays of Lent, knowing that we would need to be flexible because of our building project. We could not have anticipated last month's weather crisis that resulted in extensive damage to all but the parish hall. And so here we are on the fifth Sunday of Lent, recording our service from the St. Stephen's School Chapel, thanks to their great generosity these past several weeks. In pre-pandemic times, this fifth Sunday of Lent might be an occasion for assessing how we have done with our Lenten disciplines. We might be asking how we have done with what we have chosen to give up or what we have chosen to take on. But this has not been a season of Lent like any other that we have experienced. Speaking only for myself, I did not choose to either give something up or to take something on, because this has been a year of giving much up and of taking on new things. Many, if not most of us, have given up more difficult things than chocolate. We have given up seeing family members and friends. We have given up travel plans. We have given up wedding gatherings with our dearest friends and family members. We have given up seeing one another on Sunday mornings and during the week at church. We We have given up sending our children off to school during the week. And others of us have taken on new hobbies and daily disciplines that we might not otherwise have had time for. In many ways, it seems as though Lent 2020 has lasted one full year and extended through Lent 2021. But both Lent of 2020 and Lent of 2021 began with the Ash Wednesday service, 
even if without the imposition of ashes this year. For me, the heart of the Ash Wednesday service and the beginning of Lent are praying Psalm 51 and the Litany of Penitence. In the 51st Psalm, my Lenten prayer is always verse 11. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And then in the Litany of Penitence, it's the first confession that we have not loved you with our whole heart, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. At the heart of Ash Wednesday and of Lent, whether that Lent lasts for 40 days or for a year, it's the condition of our hearts. Each one of us is in constant need for the renewal and recreation of our hearts. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Lent is framed by this attention to our hearts. Ash Wednesday began with a recitation of Psalm 51 and a prayer for new hearts. And Jeremiah answers that prayer with a promise of a new covenant that will be written on our hearts rather than on tablets of stone. Jeremiah promises a new covenant of transformed hearts. The image that comes to my mind when I pray the 51st Psalm or when I hear Jeremiah's promise of the covenant written on our hearts is the image of a heart transplant. When I was in seminary, I did my clinical pastoral education at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in New York City. During that summer, I was assigned to the organ transplant floor. Almost all the patients that summer were receiving kidney transplants. But towards the end of the summer, there was one heart transplant patient who had been waiting for a considerable period of time for an as close as possible match to minimize the risk of rejection. Even though that transplant was some 40 years ago, heart transplants are still newsworthy. Just last Saturday, there was an article in the Austin Statesman about 13-year-old Grace Jennings, who received a heart transplant at Dell's Children's Hospital. She was only the second pediatric heart transplant here in Austin. When Grace was in an orphanage in China, she was named Fong Bingqing, which means blue ice, because her coloring was blue and she was cold to the touch for lack of oxygen. She was adopted when she was 18 months old, and in the intervening years here in the States, she's had numerous surgeries and attempts to repair her damaged heart. But what Grace needed was a new heart rather than a repaired one, and she received that heart on January 26th. Neither the psalmist nor Jeremiah had heart repairs or transplants in mind when they spoke of new hearts and of new laws written on hearts rather than on tablets of stone. But there's still something powerful about this image and this possibility of a new heart, perhaps because the heart is symbolic of so many different conditions and possibilities. We both love and hate with all our hearts, Hearts are tender, or hearts are hard. 
Charles Dickens wrote about the transformation of a hardened heart in A Christmas Carol. Ebenezer Scrooge has a heart that has been hardened by greed, but after a night of ghostly visitations, he awakens on Christmas morning with a transformed and a generous heart. The psalmist and Jeremiah would have had in mind the story of the Exodus. There is no one in the Hebrew scriptures more paradigmatic of a hardened heart than Pharaoh. You'll remember that there arose in Egypt a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. The sizable number and strength of the Hebrew people posed a threat, and so he subjected them to slavery. Moses had encountered God at the burning bush, and the message that he was given to convey was, let my people go. Moses would repeatedly go to Pharaoh with this request, and then God would harden Pharaoh's heart. Even after the Passover, when all the firstborn except for those of the Hebrew people had died, Pharaoh had a change of heart and sent his chariots after the fleeing Hebrews to prevent their escape. Now we don't speak of hardened hearts as if God was the agent, but we do refer to hearts as hard or cold, and we have examples of both. After the exodus from their slavery in Egypt, the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years prior to their arrival in the Promised Land. During those 40 years, God gave them the commandments to which Jeremiah referred, those 10 commandments written on tablets of stone. But Jeremiah prophesies about a new covenant that is written not on those tablets of stone, but rather on our hearts. We know attributes of hearts that are hard and cold, and we know attributes of hearts that are tender and warm. We speak about hearts that are tender. We speak about hearts that are generous. We speak about hearts that are empathetic. We speak about hearts that are wise. We speak about hearts that are compassionate. We speak about hearts that are courageous. We speak about hearts that are self-sacrificial. We speak about hearts that are forgiving. Last week, John mentioned the merciful heart of God. These tender, generous, empathetic, wise, compassionate, courageous, self-sacrificial, forgiving, and merciful hearts all reflect God's heart. Most of us have examples of hearts that we would like to emulate. Those hearts might be enormous, like Mother Teresa's, who was able to see Jesus in the poorest and the most wounded among us. Or they might be equally generous and loving hearts that we're more likely to encounter on a daily basis. Every night on the news, there are remembrances of some of the over 500,000 people whose lives have been lost to COVID in the past year. Those remembrances are never about successful careers or hefty bank accounts. The remembrances are always about their love for their family members and about the sacrifices that they have made during the course of their lives. The remembrances are more often than not about great loves and generous hearts. The heart that we are all in need of 
is that of a forgiving and a merciful heart. In our reading from Jeremiah, the Lord says that he will forgive our iniquities and remember our sins no more. Every time we say the Lord's Prayer, we pray forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And in the litany of penitence, we confess that we have not loved God with all our hearts, minds, and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In these final two weeks of Lent, we have before us the reminder that on the cross, our Lord forgave our sins and has promised that they will not be remembered. It is this gift of mercy and forgiveness that's at the heart of our own new hearts. If God has forgiven and forgotten our sins, can we not do the same to those who have wronged us? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We're about to hear Jim sing hymn 697, Love divine, all loves excelling. Love divine, all loves excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure and bounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation. Enter every trembling heart. Enter every trembling heart and create in us new hearts, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Amen. <laughs>